You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week number seven of a series called Truly Free, and our theme verse is John chapter 8, verse 36, where Jesus says, so if I set you free, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And really my goal in this series is to remind you that this is the life that God wants for you. This is the life that he wants, he wants for you. He wants you to experience a life that can only be described as truly free. And not only that, God paid the price for you to experience a life that is truly free. And I've tried to show you this in the Bible. Let me show you one other place in the Bible where it says this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. And then it says in verse 6, He gave his life to purchase freedom for, come on, say that last word with me, for everyone. And just so we're clear, everyone includes you. That means that he paid for your freedom. So in this series, I'm begging you to not settle for anything less than the life that God paid for you to have. And today, if you are taking notes, uh, which I hope you are, we're going to be having a conversation about this subject, freedom from lust. Oh yeah, baby, we're going there. Freedom from lust. Um, And there is no way that we can have a series about freedom and not have this conversation. There's no way that we can talk about, hey, let's live a life that's truly free and not talk about lust and sexual temptation. But here's what I know. Let me just address the elephant in the room. I know that many of you may be thinking this right now. I know that I've sat in rooms like this and I've thought this, man, it feels so awkward to talk about this in church, Uh, that it can feel like weird, kind of awkward, like I get it. But here's what I'm asking of each and every one of you over the next 35 minutes. I am asking each and every one of you, come on, to embrace the awkward. Come on, today we are going to embrace the awkward, number one, because God's word is not silent about this topic. Number two, because culture is definitely not silent about this topic. And let me just say, as your pastor, I desperately want us to be people whose lives are shaped by God's word and not by culture. And number three, because the truth is, let's be honest, we all face temptation in this area. No matter your age, no matter your stage of life, no matter your gender, no matter your relational status, no matter your lifestyle, we all face sexual temptation, every single one of us. In fact, in a moment of honesty, church should be, I believe, one of the safest places to be honest about anything. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever struggled with lust or sexual temptation? How many of you ever? Now, here's what's so interesting. A lot of times I ask this question and it's like the T-Rex arms. This one especially, it's like, I will not, I cannot, I physically can't do this. I can't raise it higher than that. By the way, I do want you to know that um, if your hand was not up, you might be uh, struggling with lying here today at church. Because the truth is we all have. Every single one of us at some way has struggled with this area. And just so you know, just so I can be extremely transparent and honest with you today, that there's no area in my life, 
where I have faced more temptation than this area. There's, there's none. There's not even a close second. In my teenage years, in my 20s, in my 30s, and now in my 40s, there's no area of my life where I have faced more temptation. Listen, getting older has not solved this problem. Temptation doesn't get easier with age. It is just as difficult today at 42 years old as it was when I was 22 years old when I was a walking, out of control, raging hormone. I'm telling you, it is like it, it hasn't gotten easier with age. Before I got married, this was the biggest temptation in my life. After I've got married, this is there's no area in my life where I faced more temptation. Getting married did not solve this problem. And I think that there may be many of you that are here thinking that maybe struggle with this area that, oh, I just, I can't wait till I get married because when I get married, I won't, like, I won't struggle with this anymore. It's like it automatically goes away because now you're married. And let me just tell you from experience, that is not true. Marriage does not solve your issues. Marriage only exposes and magnifies your issues. That's free. I just want you to know that. But there's no area in my life where I have faced, and let me just tell you, I've been in full-time ministry now for 20 years, and I am convinced, I believe with all my heart, that this is the number one temptation in the church today, which means we have to talk about it. This is the number one. In fact, I have so many individual one-on-one conversations with people that are literally heartbroken over this. There's people that are struggling, that, that, that so desperately want to experience. And the truth is, maybe today, if you and I could go to coffee and just you and I have a one-on-one conversation, I believe that many of you might say, that's where I'm at today. I am struggling with this. I desperately need some freedom in this area. Maybe for you, you can't stop thinking those thoughts. You can't stop having those fantasies. Maybe you're married, but you can't stop flirting with other people. Maybe you can't stop looking at pornography. Maybe you can't stop clicking, swiping, DMing. And here's the thing, and here's what I believe with all my heart. I think many of you, like, you don't even want to. You probably, like, man, I just, I don't want this. You probably feel exactly like Paul did in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, where he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Come on, how many of you have ever related to that in any area of temptation? It's like, man, I I want to do what is right, but it's like I can't. There's something that keeps me from doing that. I need freedom. And I'm telling you, church, we desperately need freedom from lust. And let me tell you why. Because the Bible is very clear where it leads. So let me teach you theologically why it is so important for us to have this conversation today and why this can have a massive effect, not just on that area of your life, but every single area of your life. James chapter one, verse 14, listen to what it says. It says, temptation comes from our own desires. Now I underline that word desires because it's the Greek word epithemia, epithemia, which is the same exact word that can be translated lust. So it says temptation, it comes from our own desires. Another way to say that would be our own lust, which entices, 
and drag us away. Listen to what happens. And then these desires, these lusts, they give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Did you notice the progression? That lust leads to sinful actions, and then sinful actions will eventually lead to death. And in other words, listen, if you continue to go down the road of lust, it will eventually at some point lead to death. Now, maybe not a physical death, but have you ever thought about this? That when you go down that road, your spiritual passion can die? Your spiritual hunger can die? Your spiritual motivation can die? I've seen so many people that have struggled with this and then all of a sudden they don't desire the things of God anymore. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around godly people. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. Not because those things aren't good for me. It's because my motivation has literally been stripped away from me because every time that I'm there, I literally feel awful and guilty and I'd rather just not even face that. Because so many times those things can die on the inside of us. Think about it this way. Your conviction can die. Your sensitivity to the voice of God and the Holy Spirit can die. Your peace can die. Your joy can die. Your self-control can die. Your self-respect can die. And even think about this. Your marriage can die. Your intimacy with your spouse can die. Your family can die. How many marriages and families have been destroyed because of lust? I'm telling you, there are so many stats that I read this week that absolutely broke my heart that showed the effects of this on families and marriages. I'm telling you, this always leads to death. But I've got some good news, church, because listen, that doesn't have to be your life. That doesn't have to be your life. There is a way out. In fact, what I love about God is that God always provides a way out. Every single time that you are face-to-face with any bit of temptation, God always provides a way out. He always provides a way for you to be free. Let me show you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, the temptations in our life are no different from what others experience. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that you're not the only one, that you're not the only one that's facing this, that says they're no different from what others experience, you're not alone, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted every single time, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Here's what that scripture means. That means that every time you're face-to-face with lust, In sexual temptation, God offers a way out. God offers a way for you to experience freedom every single time. Listen, good news today, church. Your life does not have to be owned or dominated by lust. You can be free. So the question is, what is the way out? Now, the Bible is very clear. God will offer a way out. But what I love about God's word is he just doesn't tell us, okay, there is a way out. He actually shows us what the way out is. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, run from sexual sin. I do want you to notice, let's pause right there, because I want you to notice that it doesn't say run from sex. Come on, can I be honest today? Can I be honest? It doesn't say run from sex. I think a lot of people think God is anti-sex. God is not anti-sex. Think about it this way. 
He created it, okay? So he is not anti. It doesn't say run from sex. It says run from sexual sin. Now that is two words in English, but it is one word in the original Greek. It's the word pornea. It's where we get the word today, pornography. But that word doesn't mean what it means in English. That word originally, in the original Greek, it literally means any sex outside of God's plan. Now that, I'm fully aware, can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But for the sake of clarity, I'm coming from today our church's position of sexuality, which is the historical position of sexuality defined as one man, one woman in marriage for life. All four things are very important. None of them takes more importance than the other. But I'm fully aware that there may be some people here today or listening online that may have different positions. And hear me loud and clear. Just because we have a position doesn't mean you have to agree with that position. More importantly, and this is even more important, We don't have to have 100% alignment on every position to have relationship and to worship Jesus together. So I'm asking you to not buy into the lie of culture that is us versus them mentality where if you're not for me, then you're against me. Because the truth is, if you think about it, if 100% alignment was a prerequisite for relationship, none of us would have any relationships. None of us. I would not be married. I would have no friends. There's no way I could ever work on a team because the truth is we're never in 100% alignment with anything. So please don't buy into the lie that you have to have 100% alignment to have relationship. Hear this loud and clear. At our church, you don't have to believe or behave a certain way to belong. So if you have a different position, hear me, welcome. With a smile on my face, I am authentically so stinking glad that you are here and hear me. My goal is not to change your position. My goal is to simply every single week push you closer to Jesus. That is it. That is the only goal that I have. So please don't cancel me, please, please. Because the truth is, here's the truth. No matter what our position is today, we've already determined that every single one of us are tempted and struggle with this. We all face lust and sexual temptation. And when you do, Paul says, you want to know God's way out? You want to know the strategy? Run. Run from sexual sin. He goes on to say, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. He says clearly, listen, that God doesn't live in buildings anymore. He lives in you. And he says, you do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. These verses say that whenever you're faced with this temptation, whenever you're faced with lust, that God's way out that God's game plan is for you to run. Like, don't fight it. Don't manage it. Run from it. And by the way, have you ever thought about why? Because this is the only sin in the Bible that I can find where God's strategy is for us to run from it. 
See, I think it's because that God knows that we're not strong enough to defeat it by ourselves. He doesn't say fight. He doesn't say manage. He says run. Okay, when this comes, don't even stay in the picture. Get out of there. Run. We got to run. But I love what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, because it takes it to a whole nother level. Because not only does it say run, listen to what it says. It says run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lust of youth, but then chase, run after all that is pure. I love this verse. Because this verse says, don't just run from the wrong things, run to the right things. Let me say it this way. Don't just run from lust, run to purity. So don't just run, but run towards something. Like, run towards purity. So the big question is that I want to answer this question for the rest of our time today is how do we do that? What does that look like in today's culture? What would it look like for us to run towards purity? Three things. Here's number one. Run towards honesty. Write that down. Run towards honesty. If you want to run to purity, run towards honesty. So if you are struggling in this area or really any area, you need to be honest and you need to bring it into the light because when you do, trust me, I know it's scary. I know it's vulnerable. But when you take something that's in the dark and you put it into the light, it loses its power. Listen, you are only as sick as your secrets. I have learned that secrecy, that it destroys purity. That as long as there's secrets, that there will be things that will always be battling your purity. So if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. Let me just love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're the only one that knows you're in trouble. You don't have to tell everybody. In fact, I ask you to please not tell everybody. That's awkward. Don't be going out after service and everybody, hey, let me just tell you what's going on in my life. Let me tell you. Don't do that. Don't do that. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins, they will not prosper. But if they confess... They take it in the dark and put it to the light and turn from them. That's a great word for repentance. They will receive mercy. James 5.16, one of my favorite verses. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And we're going to give you the opportunity to do that at the very end of this message. And it says, if you do that, it says, so that you may be healed. Listen, church, you need some people in your life that you can be honest with. You need some people in your life that you can go the distance with, 100%. You need accountability. You need people consistently checking on you. You need people looking you in the eyes and asking how are you really doing. You need people in your life that are not letting you make the same mistakes over and over again. And just for the sake of accountability with you, I have seven people right now in my life that who I'm 100% honest with, who ask me about this area of my life. One of those is my wife, my wife, Heather, who just left to take my son to go play some football. Okay. Here in first service, went to go play some football, second service. But I want you to hear me like, like she has green light to ask me about this. And she can ask about any area of my life, full honesty, full transparency. She has my passwords. She can look at my phone. She can do whatever because I want to make sure in that relationship that we're helping each other in this area. 
But also I have my three overseers, which is our three apostolic elders and the, the people that are my authority in this church. And I have a once a month phone call with each and every one of them. And then I have a Zoom call with three of my best friends. All three are lead pastors leading great churches around our nation. And every month we have a once a month Zoom call where I'm looking them in the eyes and we're asking about this area of our life. And I'm telling you, I go the distance. I hold nothing back. I tell them because I need it. I need that and you do too. And listen, here's the truth. Sometimes it's awkward. It is. Because you sit there on a Zoom call with four guys and it's like, hey, how's the church? How's everything going? How the Bengals? Bengals doing good? Yeah, cool. Okay, how's your purity? It's kind of awkward. But I'm telling you, in this area of my life, I'm willing to embrace the awkward because I'd rather feel awkward than fall in this area of my life. And that those seven people have the green light to ask me at any time. We need to run towards honesty. Here's the second thing that we need to do is to run towards wisdom. We need to run towards not just honesty, but run towards wisdom. And I want to help you with this because I want you to see what actually happens with lust and with sexual temptation. I want you to see the progression because the progression is the same every single time. It always starts with looking, always. It starts with looking what you see. And then lusting, and then looking then leads to lusting, which is internal. It's, it's what you think. And then, and then lusting leads to impurity, which is what you do. And that's, that's the, the external. That happens every time. That's the progression. It always starts with looking, and then looking leads to lusting, and then lusting leads to impurity. Now, it's important to know that theologically, when the Bible talks about sin, the Bible actually used two different words for sin. And sin is like where we make mistakes, it's how we fall short, it's why we need Jesus, it's all the ways that we miss the mark. And when the Bible talks about sin, it uses two different words. And it's important for you to know the definitions of those two words. One is transgressions, and then two is iniquities. And it's important for you to know the difference between the two because a transgression is an external action. It's what happens on the outside. It's what you do. But an iniquity is an internal attitude. It's what happens on the inside. By the way, Jesus paid for both. Jesus died for both. But there's, there's two ways. So when it comes to this topic, and if you go back to, to that progression, that, that a so lusting is an iniquity. It's an internal attitude. It's what happens on the inside. And the impurity is a transgression. It's the external action. It's something that happens on the inside. And by the way, Jesus actually addresses both. In, in two verses in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28, here's what he says. He says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. That is a transgression. That's an external action. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's the iniquity. That's an internal attitude. And listen, both are sin. I've, I've, had, I've had guys before be like, Pastor Brian, there's, there's, no, there's no trouble in looking. Yes, there is. You're a creeper. Stop it, okay? <laughs> but here's what often happens, okay? Let, let me show you. Because here's what happens. Let's go back to this progression. 
Because a lot of times what will happen is maybe you have a moment with God. Maybe it'll be in a message like this, and God will speak to you. You'll have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and you'll feel such deep conviction that I need to change some things in my life. Or maybe you'll have a one-on-one encounter with God. Maybe you sit down in your quiet time and you open up your Bible and God speaks to you and you walk away with such deep conviction that I need to change some things in my life. Maybe there's something that happens in your life where life just literally hits you in the face and you go through something hard and something makes you go, I need to change some things in my life. And here's what'll happen. A lot of times when we face that, what we'll do is, okay, so I need to change some things in my life so some people will try to just deal with the impurity. So I'm going to try to change what I do. I'm going to try to change the outside. But then other people, they're like, you know what? I don't need to try to change that. I need to change the lusting. I need to change the internal. And I'm going to change what I think. I'm going to try to change that before that. But let me tell you what wisdom says. Wisdom says deal with the looking. Like wisdom says change what you see. Because listen to this wisdom. I know it's so simple, but I think simple is genius sometimes. Because if you don't look, you won't lust. And you won't even get close to impurity. And that's wisdom. That church is fighting smarter, not harder. And Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. He says, so if your eye, even your good eye, I'm sorry, that just makes me laugh. It really does. I don't know. I read the Bible some way this time. I see humor in the Bible. It's like, is he talking to pirates? I don't get it. Like, like, who who has just one good eye? Uh, Pirates. Okay, so... I'm sorry, it's so dumb. Um, he says, so if, you're, if your eye, even that good one, even if your good one causes you to lust, gouge that bad boy out and throw it away. It's Jesus with this extreme way of saying, hey, deal with your looking before you ever have to deal with your lusting or your impurity. And so today, what that may look like for you, what that may practically look like in your life, what wisdom may look like, is to stop going to those places. Maybe find another gym. Figure out a different living situation. Quit having those flirtatious interactions at work. Maybe just get another job. Maybe cancel those streaming services or delete those apps. For the love of God, stop sliding into people's DMs. Maybe it's to just, I know this is radical, but you want to know, deal with your looking, maybe it's get off social media altogether. Because for many people, that is the gateway to everything. And studies say that right now, every single American is on there two and a half hours a day on average. And so maybe wisdom may be to actually unplug and to get off social media altogether. And some of you, you can't even imagine a life where you would do that. Some of you are like, well, my, my, my whole livelihood is on there, or figure it out. Listen, your purity is more important than you being on social media. It is. Maybe wisdom would be installing accountability software on all your devices, or having a friend go into your iPhone and change the screen time settings and put some restrictions and passwords on what you can see and download that you don't even know. Maybe it's to leave your laptop at work every single day. Maybe it's to trade your iPhone in for an old school flip phone where all you can do is call people, text, maybe even T9 style, 
and play old school snake. Come on, somebody. Like, but I'm serious. I know that's funny, but I'm serious. Some of you are like, but what will people think? That could be so embarrassing. And listen, who cares what people think? That's not embarrassing, that's wisdom. Some of you are like, but but Pastor Brian, it's going to be my fault that the group text goes green. I'm going to be that guy. Listen, if anybody has a problem with those group texts going green, you send them to me, okay? I'll talk to them. I got your back. I got your back. Listen, run after wisdom. Run after wisdom. But here's the thing I love most about wisdom is that to get it, all you got to do is ask. James 1.5, one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite promises in the entire Bible, if you need wisdom, ask. You're our generous God, and he will, not might, he will give it to you. Listen, we believe that or we don't. I think some of us buy into a lie that all, if you need wisdom, you need to get your life right, you need to go to church for a month, you need to read your Bible every morning, and then all of a sudden God will give you the wisdom that you need. You need to clean yourself up before you get wisdom. But that's not what this says. This says if you need wisdom, all you got to do is ask, and he will give you that wisdom. So how do we run towards purity, run towards honesty, run towards wisdom? And then here's the third one. This is the one that God really put on my heart this week. Run towards purpose. Run towards purpose. Let me show you this in God's word. A really, really interesting story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go to war, King David, the same David uh, that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. So a complete legend in the Old Testament. That that David, he sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. In late one afternoon, after his midday rest, after his little nap, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Oh no, danger, danger, danger. David, you better run. We know the Bible now. You better run. But he didn't. Verse 3. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, who was taking a bath. I find that funny. Um, the daughter of Helium and the wife uh-oh, of Uriah the Hittite. Then David went a step further. Remember that pattern? Looking, Lisa Lusting, Lusting, Lisa Immorality. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. In other words, he committed adultery. And if you keep reading, it gets even worse. She gets pregnant. And then that adultery actually snowballs into a cover-up, manipulation, lies, and eventually murder. This is a guy that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. Now, looking back, we have the hindsight of 2020, right? We read this and we're like, David? You should have ran, my man. Like, no doubt. He should have had the strategy, God's way, to be able to to get out of that temptation. And he should have ran off of that rooftop, but he didn't. And because he didn't, 
his life imploded. But here's what I want you to see, church. He shouldn't have even been up there in the first place. See, that whole thing happened because David wasn't where he was supposed to be because he wasn't operating and doing his God-given purpose. Let me show you the very first verse that we read. Just read the underlying part. It says, when kings normally go out to war, David stayed behind. When kings normally go out to war, David stayed behind. The truth is, he would have never seen Bathsheba taking a bath if he was on the battlefield. If he was stepping into his God-given purpose as the king. And let me just tell you, one of the greatest ways to experience freedom from lust and sexual temptation is to run passionately towards your purity and and towards your purpose. Because let me remind you, God has a purpose for your life. And I know that it's so easy to be in church and to hear that and think that is so cliche. God has a purpose for your life. You may hear that all the time. It may become just white noise. It's so easy for guys like me holding things like this to be able to say God has a purpose for your life and then it literally just bounces off your heart. But let me just tell you, frankly, I don't care. I'm going to keep looking at you in the eyes and I'm going to keep saying that God has a purpose for your life because it's true. God has a purpose for your life. Your purpose is to make a difference in the lives of other people. No matter what your job is, that is your purpose. Your purpose is to serve and to give and to live your everyday life on mission. Your purpose is to build God's kingdom. Your purpose is not just to go to church on a Sunday. Your purpose is to be the church all the time. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, Jesus says this, and I love the message paraphrase, because Jesus says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You want to know what your responsibility is at work tomorrow? It's that. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. All of you that are stay-at-home parents, you want to know what your responsibility is tomorrow? That. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. You want to know if you're retired here, what your responsibility is to do tomorrow is that. Shine. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we, all of us, every single one of us, anybody with a pulse at church today, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. This is who you are, church. And this is what I felt like God told me this week. Some of you are not experiencing freedom, specifically freedom in this area that we're talking about today because you're not running after that. Because you're not running after the purpose that God has given you, your God-given purpose. So I invite you today to start running after the purpose that God has given you. I invite you to start running towards that at our church. I invite you to start to bring out the God flavors and the God colors 
at our church, in our city, in your home, in your neighborhood. I invite you to shine. I invite you to be the masterpiece that God has created you to be. I invite you to get off the sidelines and get into the game. I invite you to be a contributor, not a consumer. I invite you to give. I invite you to serve. I invite you to go to our website right now, see every place that you can serve within our church and outside of our church and say yes and get on the game. I invite you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I invite you to not just go to church. I invite you to be the church, to build the kingdom of God. I invite you today to make a difference. I invite you to step into your God-given purpose. And here's what I have found. Purpose is powerful. It is. Purpose, it can absolutely change your life. There is nothing like when you have purpose, that when you don't have it, man, it can absolutely kill you. But when you have it, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Purpose is powerful. It can change your life. Now, I told you earlier, there is no area, hands down, there's not even a close second, there's no area that has been a bigger temptation in my life than this. There's no area where I faced more temptation, and I don't think I'm alone. I think that there would be so many people in here that would say, yes, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what, it's so easy to face temptation. But I can confidently stand before you today with moral authority to be able to say that God has done a deep work in my life in this specific area. I can tell you with full confidence that I have experienced freedom and I've experienced breakthrough in this area in my life and that, and that for the last 10 years, I've experienced just such tremendous freedom. And by the way, let me make sure that this is clear. I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm not saying that to say, hey, look at me. I'm saying that to say, look at God. I want you to, I'm doing that to brag on the power and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God who has the power and the ability to set us free from things that have gripped us for so long. And I'm telling you, I'm saying that to brag on God and to put the spotlight directly on Him and to Him alone because I know how much I need Him today just as much as I ever have. I know that I'm one decision away from everything changing. And I'm telling you, I've experienced freedom in this. But let me tell you what has kept me free. Not only have I experienced freedom, and I want so many of you to experience that. I pray that today initiates that in your life. But let me tell you what has kept me free. Two things. One is my family. One, it's my wife of 19 years in May will be 20 years. She helps me. And my, my two precious boys, Jordan and Caleb, my family keeps me pure because I don't want to do anything to lose them and to jeopardize them. But let me tell you, what is the second way that like I stay free? What keeps me free? It's you. It's you. It's this beautiful church. It's our church family. Like, you keep me free. Why? Because I have a purpose. Because I have a calling. Because I have the incredible, humbling assignment of leading and pastoring this church. It's one of the greatest things that I've ever been entrusted with in my life. And there's no words to express how much I love you. And there's no words to say how much I pray for you, 
how much I want to see you grow in the things of God, how I want you to be all that God's called you to be. But I'm telling you, you help me not just get pure, but stay pure in this area. And I'm fully aware that this area is one of the ways the devil will try to take me out from this assignment. I know that if I fall in this area, it will have devastating ripple effects and affect way more people than just me. Listen, church, purpose keeps me free. So I've made the decision that every time I am face-to-face with lust and temptation, I'm going to run. And I'm not just going to run from the wrong things. I'm going to run to the right things. I'm going to run from love. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to run from lust and I'm going to run to purity. And I'm going to run to honesty. I'm going to run to accountability. I'm going to run to committing to having no secrets in my life. I'm committed in, uh, to running towards taking everything that's in the dark and putting it to the light. I'm going to run to wisdom and deal with what I see way before I have to deal with anything that I think or anything that I do. I'm going to focus on my seeing. I'm going to run towards purpose. Why? Because that's how I get free and that's how I stay free. And listen, church, you can too. That can be your story. If you are defeated in this area of your life, if you constantly walk with your head hang low, feeling so much shame, listen to me from the Holy Spirit, shame off of you. You can be free. God has provided a way out. You can experience true and lasting freedom. In other words, you can smile. You can be truly free. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.